in your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2, and as I've been preaching this Christmas season, I've been looking at the characters in the nativity scene. And uh, the first one we talked about was Joseph. Often he's the most overlooked. And then we see Mary, and we see after Mary, we see the shepherds. And finally, today, we're going to take a good look at the wise men. And uh, those of you who are critical studiers of God's Word, and that's A-OK, I encourage you to study the book. Uh, if you study real close and pay attention, and we're honest with ourselves, the wise men really didn't ever show up at Bethlehem in the manger. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Jesus was in the stall there after being born and the shepherds come and see him, uh, several days transpire and Jesus is actually in a house, and we'll show you that in just a minute. He's actually in a house. He's uh, several days old when the wise men come to worship him and bring him gifts. Another uh, thing that about the story that people like to be picky about, and I think it's kind of fun. By the way, if you uh, see manger scenes with the three wise men out in someone's yard, don't become so valiant for truth that you go and tear the wise men down because there's a bunch of heretics around here. As a matter of fact, there's some right there. <laughs> but also, the wise men, we imagine, and I think it has a lot to do with the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. <laughs> uh, the wise men, there's actually no mention of how many wise men there were. We come up with three most of the time because there were three gifts Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is very possible that one wise man gave three gifts. It's possible that two wise men gave all three gifts. It's possible that a whole bunch of wise men gave gifts that comprise gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We can get that out of the way because it's not very important. Because there is some very important truth that we can see in Matthew chapter number 2. When the wise men... Follow his star and find and meet the Christ child. You'll follow along with me as we read together God's word. Matthew chapter 2. The Bible says this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. I love this story, and I love the wise men. And it's a, become maybe a trite statement to you, but it has very, very applicable meaning to us this moment and this morning. It's very simple. Wise men still seek him. It is the most wise thing that any person could do to seek to know their creator. You look around and it takes great faith to dismiss that everything that exists did not come from God. As a matter of fact, when I begin to think about it, it takes more faith to believe that everything came from nothing than to believe that God created, an intelligent designer created all that exists. The Bible says it very plainly in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And you can either trust in God, the creator, or you can trust in the intelligence of men that has to go to extreme measures to explain away God. I don't know about you, but when I look at creation, I'm amazed. and I must give credit to the fact that I am intelligently designed, and so are you. If I were to tell you, I've got this really nice watch. I got it for Christmas a couple years ago. It's pretty amazing what it can do. If I were to tell you that the way I got my watch was I got Ruth's mixer out, the one we've been making good food with, and I got in a place where all the elements that were required to make my watch were there. And I got the mixer out, and I started spinning it really, really fast. And the next thing you know, I stuck my arm into the concoction that was full of the minerals that made up my watch. I stuck my arm in the hole, and out came my watch in all of its glory. You'd say, you've lost your ever-living mind. And I would have. But you know, we have this notion and idea that somehow... Out of nothing, in a situation where the elements necessary for life began to spin in such a fast matter and manner, and just out of random, life began. It takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe that my watch came. You know, my watch is pretty intricate. But I've possessed something since before I was born, that's more intricate than my, wife, my, my a watch could ever imagine. And it's the eyes that are in my head. More than a million working parts in my eye. And they fitly join together to do God. Hey, look. God 
created the heavens and the earth. I believe in the Lord, my creator. The more you study your creator and the more you learn about your creator, the more you have to see that God worked to bring his own son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to pay the price for our sins. You see, it's a very wise thing to seek the Lord. Wise men still seek him. Let's consider a couple of things. Number one, wise men come to worship him. The Bible says in verse number one, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Let's just see what's going on. From the east, somewhere uh, Asia way, the uh, wise men make their journey from where they live to Jerusalem. But was Jesus born in Jerusalem? No. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So they come to Jerusalem. When they get to Jerusalem, they have a meeting with Herod. We're going to talk more about him. They have a meeting with Herod, and they ask Herod, Where is he that is born, verse number 2, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, something I want you to see for just a moment is this. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention is this two little words, his star. His star. I'll tell you, every time I read this passage of Scripture, I'm intrigued by his star. The wise men were the people, the kind of guys that were watching the skies and astrologers paying attention to what was going on. Astronomy is an amazing, is an amazing subject. I remember a few years ago, there was a, an eclipse when we lived in Asheville, North Carolina. There was a very rare eclipse of the sun right in the middle of the day. And uh, I was amazed by the eclipse. It was wild to sit. We were sitting in our yard, and it's bright, sunshiny, and next thing you know, the sun is eclipsed, and it gets so dark in the middle of the day that the street lights come on in our neighborhood. I was amazed by that. And I was really amazed by God's creation. It really was really fascinating. That's the most spectacular part of that moment. But I was also amazed by the people who study astronomy. You see, I didn't have to guess when the eclipse would take place. There were people who have done the math and understand so clearly the movements of the skies that they told us the exact moment that it would begin and the exact moment that it would end. And, folks, we could set our clocks by it. It was amazing. His star. His star. Now, it's a wise thing to seek the Lord. And I want you to pay attention to his star for a minute. And it gives us credit and reason to worship Jesus, his star. Now, this is a fascinating thing to me. The sun, the light that's coming in the window from the sun, it originated at the sun's surface eight minutes ago. It is so far away that it takes at the speed of light, the ray of sunlight that you feel on your face at this moment, it takes it eight minutes to get from the sun to here. But the nearest star is four and a half light years away. What's that mean? That means when you see twinkle, twinkle, little star in the sky, the twinkle, twinkle that you see in your eye has been on a journey from the star that you're seeing for four and a half years. That ray of light originates at the star and travels four and a half years. And we see it in the night sky. 
Now, with that in mind, the Bible talks about his star. I don't know exactly how it happened, but the wise men who had been watching the skies, the wise men who had been studying astrology, and astronomy, I should say astronomy, they've been watching the skies, and they say, whoa, we've not seen that star. And God sent them a star. I don't know how God did it. I don't know if four and a half, five years previous to the wise men seeing the twinkle of that star, that God set it in the sky. I don't know if he sped up the speed of light. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But when I think about his star, I'm amazed at what God was able to set in place in order to show us and show these wise men that there's something very important happening in Bethlehem. His star. (laughs) Don't be fooled by his manger. God moved the stars for Jesus. His star. Wise men worship him. Wise men worship the creator. Wise men worship the savior. Wise men worship the person who can rearrange the universe. Wise men seek God. Wise men. You see, wise men come to worship him. There's some fascinating things about his star. His star attracts. When they saw his star, the wise men said, Wow, we've got to find out what this is. You know what? The Lord Jesus is attracting people. I'm thankful that God worked in my heart as a child and made me interested in who he was and became clear on the fact that I was a sinner. I'm thankful for the star that attracts. Jesus Christ attracts. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, speaking of Jesus, I will draw all men into myself. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. You've never trusted in Christ, Jesus, for your soul's salvation. But the Lord's been tugging at your heart. You're understanding and becoming more clear that you need a Savior. It's becoming more evident that you need a Savior. I want you to understand something. It is not a foolish thing to humble yourself before King Jesus. It's the wisest decision you could ever make. It's the smartest thing you could ever do. Wise men come to worship Him. Number two, fools seek to destroy Him. Fools seek to destroy him. The next character in this passage of Scripture is Herod. He is a low-down, dirty, rotten, egg-sucking dog of a guy. I don't like him, and you shouldn't either. Herod. He is so jealous. He is so caught up with his own agenda and his own power that when wise men from the Orient come looking for the Christ... The only thing he can think of is I've got to destroy him. You know, it's the beginning of the most foolish thing you could ever do to think somehow that you have any authority over the creator of the universe. Oh, Herod, he was so caught up with how smart he was, how bright he was, how affluent he was, that he didn't think he even needed Jesus. He understood that The Old Testament prophets had began to testify the coming of a Christ. And we can see it. Let's just look at the text together. Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was 
troubled. Huh. Let me tell you. You're here today and you know that there's something significant about Jesus Christ and it troubles you because it does not line up with what you believe to be true. I'll tell you something. You should change what you believe to line up with Jesus. Herod, he was troubled. He's like, if Christ is really the king of the Jews, if Christ is really the king of kings, if this Christ child is really the one that's coming... Set up his kingdom on earth and he's my adversary. It's a sad thing to think that there are people who God created and loved and Jesus died for who have made Jesus their adversary. But if you will not bow to him, you make him your enemy. The Bible says in verse number 3 that Herod was troubled. Not only Herod, the Bible says, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse number 4. That when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now, this is a fascinating thing to me. Herod had enough understanding of the Old Testament that he knew that the Old Testament had prophesied the coming of the Christ. So he gathers the chief priests. He gathers the scribes, the people who should have known the Old Testament law and did. And he asked him, where in the world should Christ be born? What's the Bible say? That's what Herod asked. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. God had said it in the Old Testament, hundreds of years previous, that Jesus would come to Bethlehem. And the scribes, And the chief priest told Herod, hey, listen, Jesus will be born. The Christ will be born in Bethlehem. You'd think that the evidences of the moment changed his heart, but it didn't. The Bible continues in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privately, privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now listen, this star keeps showing up. The star. I'll tell you, you see, the star attracts. The wise men were attracted to the star. But also the star intrigues. You know, there's some amazing things that we see in God's Word. This star in this setting was something that was intriguing to Herod. Even the lost, wicked mind of Herod. He said, I need to know more about this star. And maybe it is the stars. Maybe it's the sun. Maybe it's the study of creation that will be the thing that intrigues you enough to find out that Jesus truly is the Savior. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a pacifier for weak minds and scared people. Jesus Christ is the only Savior and all men need Him. He said, tell me about this star. When did it appear? And Herod speaks up again in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. What did he do? He says, I'll tell you what do. You go to Bethlehem, find the child, come and bring me word so I can worship him also. Guess what? Was Herod interested in worshiping Jesus? Nope. Herod's... M- 
motivation was to destroy him. Herod's motivation was to kill him. Now, folks, you may be here and you've allowed the world to so infiltrate your mind that you're turning your back on Christ and his word. Let me tell you something. Fools seek to destroy him. The Bible says the fool said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible makes it plain that wicked men and foolish men attempt to break the connection of themselves and God. Fools seek to destroy him. Verse 13, the Bible says, When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Fools seek to destroy him. Now listen. I want to remain the kind of man that has a Christ-like spirit. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be unkind. But I want to be the kind of Christian who boldly stands for the Word of God, for the person of Jesus Christ. And on a Christmas Sunday morning, there's never a greater time to lift up the name of Jesus and remind us all again that He is the Savior. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our only hope. And if you've found in your heart a way to excuse Him, you're walking down a path that leads to destruction. You're walking down a path that gives you everything you do not desire. You see fools come to destroy Him. Wise men come to worship him. Fools seek to destroy him. Number three, wise men bring him gifts. Wise men bring him gifts. What kind of gifts should we bring the Lord? Well, the wise men set a great example. The Bible says in verse number 11, And when they were come into the house, Wait a second, I want you to see how they get to the house. You'll never guess who plays a role in them getting to the house. The star. Now, this star is amazing to me. The star. The Bible says in verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. You see, the star attracts and intrigues. The star directs people. God's word directs us. The star appears, and they saw... They went before, it led them, verse number 10. When they saw the star, how did they respond to the star? When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Oh, how sweet it is to know the Lord. They rejoiced when they saw the star. Verse number 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they had presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. What happened? This is where the wise men present their gifts. Now, I want you to see something. There's actually two sets of gifts. The first set of gifts is something we may look over. But the first gift that these wise men gave, the Bible says it like this. They fell down and worshipped him. You know what kind of gift God wants? The very first gift that God wants from you is you. 
You see, he created us. The Bible says that Jesus bought us with a price. We actually belong to Jesus anyway. You're a child of God. And so we all, being the possession of the Most High God, ought to just surrender to the fact that he is our Lord, Creator, King, Master. That's good. And you know what the wise men do? The first thing they do when they see Jesus is they bow before him and yield their lives to him and say, here I am, Lord. Let me ask you a question. Who made the best decision in this passage of Scripture? Herod, who in his heart determined to destroy Christ. Did he succeed? No. Has anyone that's ever attempted to destroy Christ succeeded? No. Even the mob of Jews and the Romans that nailed him to the cross, they failed miserably because God, through Christ Jesus, has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Did Herod win? No. By the way, there's never been a person that ever rejected Jesus that won. You'll not be an exception. I'll not be an exception. Herod, utter failure. I really pity him. I don't like him, but I really do pity him. It's sad. But the wise men, the wise men, guess what the wise men did? That day, they bowed before Jesus. They said, what's ours is yours, Lord, to control. Our lives are yours. Our future is yours. We give ourselves to thee. Who won? Herod or the wise men? There's no doubt about it. The wise men won. Because the greatest treasures of our life come as the byproduct of us surrendering our wills and our lives to the person of Jesus Christ. The wise men, they gave themselves. Some people don't have any trouble giving a little money along the way. Praise the Lord for that. But the first thing that God wants is you. You. They gave themselves and then they gave their treasures. The Bible says in verse number 11 that they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The next thing they gave was their possessions. They didn't give them all. God had trusted them with certain things and they gave the Lord what God had led them to give. Oh, what a sweet thing it is to be able to have a part in the work of the Lord. The wise men, what did they do? They presented themselves and they presented their gifts and God blessed them. Wise men still seek Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came not just to be a cute baby in a manger, to make a story and a bunch of traditions around. The Bible says it plainly like this. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Why Jesus come? I'll tell you why Jesus come. He came, number one, because God loves you. For God so loved the world. Why did Jesus come? He came because 
All men are sinners. The wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why did Jesus come? He came because you needed someone to pay the price for your sins. What's the purpose of the cross? Someone had to atone for you. Someone had to redeem you. Someone had to pay your sin debt. And your sin debt was paid on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. Three days later, he defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose from the dead. The living Savior offers you life everlasting. God showed his love to us. God commended his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But folks, there must come a time in all of our lives where we personally acknowledge our need of a Savior and ask Jesus to come into our heart and be our Lord. See, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says it like this. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There needs to come a time where you personally ask Jesus to be your Savior. Oh, what a Savior He is. You need Him. You need Him. You see, to reject Christ is... To welcome the penalty of death and sin, which is hell forever. To receive Christ as your Savior. To receive the gift. A lot of us got a gift for Christmas, right? Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Because Christ was the greatest gift ever given. And on this particular day that we read about in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men did what wise men do. They received Christ. They welcomed Christ. They trusted Christ. And Jesus made the difference. Oh, may the Lord help us. You see, wise men still seek Him. I pray you let Jesus do in your heart what He yearns to do. Be your Savior. Forgive your sins. Trust him, I pray.